Welcome to the Spare Rib Audio Zine. Spare Rib is a student-run feminist organization located at Dartmouth College in Hanover, New Hampshire. This is The Political and Literary Power of the Anglosphere, written by Michaela Gagariu from the Fracture Edition, published summer 2022. The piece was originally illustrated by Olivia Gresham and page designed by Naya Lunny, read by Michaela Gagriu. Special thanks to Dartmouth College Radio for lending Spare Rib their time and space, making this audio zine project possible. The Political and Literary Power of the Anglosphere in considering the racial dynamics within international politics, both in practice and in scholarship, it would be negligent to deny the domination of majority white English-speaking countries, referred to in this article as the Anglosphere. The Anglosphere, consisting of the US, Britain, Australia, Canada, and New Zealand, has consolidated distinct national identities to form a single racial identity, founded on the, on the common language of English and the implicit moral superiority of the Anglo-Saxon race. In effect, there is an implied political, cultural, and military alliance between these countries. As Wuketic explains, the Anglosphere as a hierarchy is made up of the core and mostly white self on the one hand, and on the other hand, the peripheral and overwhelmingly non-white other. The promotion of an us-versus-them racial hierarchy has afforded the Anglosphere political, linguistic, and academic privileges in international relations that are widely unacknowledged. One indicator of the Anglosphere's domination on the international stage is the rise of English as a global language. Currently, 20% of the world's population speaks English, and the world's most influential international institutions, like the United Nations and the World Trade Organization, have declared English one of their official languages. English has become a lingua franca, largely due to the colonial legacy of the British Empire, which at its height spanned a quarter of the world. Historically used as a tool for racial subjugation, English was a signifier in separating the colonized from the colonizer, and a mechanism of undermining local languages as being rudimentary. In the post-colonial world, political entities like the Commonwealth of Nations, mostly composed of former British colonies, advance Anglo-Saxon values of democracy, civil society, and human rights. Additionally, the proliferation of multinational corporations, the majority of which are headquartered in English-speaking countries, has been a major driving force in the spread of English. In an increasingly globalized world, the international institutions and multinational corporations, which comprise global linkages, structurally favor the Anglosphere. The rise of English as a global language directly feeds into the narrative of Anglo-Saxon exceptionalism and affords English speakers undeniable political and economic privileges. From English-speaking politicians being able to speak without interpreters to English-speaking employees wielding a strategic marketable commodity, there are many advantages to speaking English in today's world. Thus, the rise of English expands the Anglosphere's soft power in its ability to influence global preferences and advance its interests. On the meta level, discourse in international relations has been largely shaped by and catered to the Anglosphere, or the white male identity. While the majority of international relations scholars are white men, the issues they study disproportionately affect women and people of color. In effect, the academic scholarship tends to be self-justifying and narrow-minded in its approach, imposing Western concepts like sovereignty and the state onto non-Western circumstances. In fact, common terms of developed and underdeveloped bear racist origins of a colonial past. A practical example of this is the mapping of Africa during decolonization, when European powers drew national borders irrespective of ethnic variation and geographic features. Aside from causing local conflicts, the remapping of Africa falsely validates an Anglo-Saxon perspective of the world, one of nation-states and liberal democracy. 
Another example includes the recent rise in conditional aid, wherein powerful, economically affluent countries, like those of the Anglosphere, provide aid to foreign countries on the condition that they will undertake democratic political reforms, such as free and fair elections. Such interventions have actually caused a rise in fake elections, defeating their initial purpose and demonstrating how Anglo-Saxon liberalism is often imposed onto non-Anglo-Saxon countries, regardless of its relevance or likelihood of success. The political effects of the Anglosphere have also shaped the emergence and discourse of postcolonial literature. A common preoccupation of postcolonial writers concerns the subversion of imperial English literary convention in favor of more culturally authentic literary forms. In order for postcolonial writers to rewrite and reclaim language, they must intimately engage with the oppressive colonial forces of English. As Edward Kamau Braithwaite, a prominent Caribbean poet and scholar, explains, there is a distinction between English as an imperial language, the language brought in by colonizers, and English as a nation language, or the language brought in by slaves and laborers, and underground English. While the nation language was considered inferior, it nevertheless influenced the imperial language, transforming the local English into a hybrid of cultural influences. Braithwaite explains how the educational system of most decolonized nations sustained the imperial language and celebrated English literary texts, which held little relevance to the local communities receiving this education. In effect, the collective knowledge and memory of local history was diminished and replaced by a colonial English history. The imported literary conventions of English, which are inherently alien to communities of postcolonial settlement, became the most familiar, ultimately meshing with the local culture. As Chinua Achebe writes in his article English and the African Writer, there is an ambiguity in defining African literature, in part because of the patchwork of languages embedded throughout the continent. Should African literature be in indigenous African languages, or should it include Arabic, English, French, Portuguese, Afrikaans, and so on? Achebe discusses how the choice of African writers to use an imperial language is not unpatriotic, but rather a byproduct of colonial influence, which has transformed imported language into a useful tool for mass communication. Such complexities of postcolonial literature reveal the power of the Anglosphere in suppressing local language and literary form and imposing a foreign understanding of human experience. Though the Anglosphere primarily exists as an intangible, elusive identity, as something which is sensed but hard to place, it manifests itself in tangible material ways, undoubtedly altering political and literary space. By acknowledging the Anglosphere's power and illuminating its origins, we come one step closer to dismantling it.